Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast, the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT to discuss their lives, their journeys and their ambitions with the greatest motorsporting event in the world and the greatest podcaster in the world is sat next to me. Hello Steve Plater. How are you mate? I'm alright, are you? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's chilly in here today, isn't it? Busy, but it's always cold in here. And your t-shirt's the same colour as the wall. What, does that mean I'm blending in nicely? Camouflaged. Um, today's guest. Yep. Rob Odson. Do you know what? I'm looking forward to this. I yeah. don't know much. It's a massive motorcycling family, as we'll find mm-hmm. out, but I don't know too much about him, so I'm on a little bit of a learning curve as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk to. He's, I won't necessarily say he's making his way through the ranks, but every time he's coming to the TT, he's getting better and better. and Faster and faster and faster. In his career. Yeah. I had a great Manx last year where he took the, the, the victory in the classic Superbike TT race. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say. Shall we uh, get let's, him on? Let's get him in. Rob! Do you work on the bikes yourselves then? We've got, end of last year, we decided what we was doing. And the Greenall team, who the classic superbike I'll be riding at, at the Manx and who I rode last year, they came on board, so they've done the majority of the spannering. Right. But for myself and a friend of mine, uh, Sean, who, who I actually work for, we've done the running about, like, going to, you know, like, take the bodywork to the paint shop, sourcing parts, you know, talking to people. And there's been, like, we've been doing a lot of everything. So spannering on the bikes where we need to, you know, but it's it's like mucking in, really. So with, with SMT... What what is SMT? Because because they used to John ran that bike last year, didn't he? Yeah. So so uh, what does SMT stand SMT, for? SMT it's Standish Metal Treatments. So Robin's business is um, you know like when they do probably like erecting this building, the mm-hmm. the steel work on it has mm. got to have like a protective coating. So they get the the steel in, shot blast it, and put this special paint on that's like fire resistant. Right. So that's the that's his business. But from um, like an SMT racing side since when did rutter leave was it about 16 something like that oh flipping it would have been yeah uh maybe it might be a little bit later than that yeah 16 or 18 yeah yeah. whenever whenever that was as smt was it kind of it was no more rutter left it wasn't Uh, just michael it was yeah alec who who was full-time there and the there wasn't the team as such so robin slowly got involved with ourselves and and that and uh, it's been kind of like I say he owns the, the infrastructure behind the team the Arctic and stuff like that and owns a bike so it's been kind of a case of the everyone who comes with me a sort of reformed SMT if you like you know with Robin so it's like a, a very different team to what it used to be you know so mm. yeah it's but yeah you see SMT racing and you think oh I remember them from BSB Carl Harris right. and all that kind yeah. of stuff you know but it's like it's not really as it was you yeah, know, it's the same team name, but like Triggers Broom, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah but improved, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, we were just talking about race numbers and where you started, and one of the questions that we always ask, normally at the start of the the, the podcast, mm-hmm. is is what does it feel like when you get that top on the shoulder? Obviously, it's quite a, I dare I say, a spiritual moment in that no man's land of yeah. going from the whole team being around you, mm-hmm. them giving you the final pat off, you go through no man's land, you reach the guy who. Hold you on the shoulder, yeah. you tap on the shoulder. But like we said with the, the race numbers, your race number for the Superbike race this year was 22. Yeah. You've got a long time to wait before 
you're actually through that gantry when a lot of the riders will be, you know, five or six yeah. miles into the race. So prior to actually getting that top on the shoulder, how do you prepare knowing that some of them are, do you ever think the race has started now or does the race not start for you until you drop your clutch? Uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, you get the, uh, the bit of a story here actually. Um, so you get Gary Thompson, don't you? You know, five minute start line and that's when it kind of like, oh, it's on now, isn't it? You know, like we're, mm-hmm. we're going. And then he gets to one minute, two uh, two minutes. And then we're, that's when I start getting me earplugs in, helmet on. There's no rush. You know, I'm yeah. usually pretty calm on the start line and stuff. So I know when I'm due to go. I hear the first bike going. I'm still putting me earplugs in, which is all quite, um, still quite calm. But yeah, I would say from i mean people i think it's a nervous thing whether it's your team or someone runs up and says something to you they, they have to say something because you're you're there you know you're a, a racer and you they've got to say something but i would say from when me plugs in uh, go in the helmet goes on gloves on every whatever anyone says to me at that point is irrelevant i'm not taking it in i'm not really thinking like it's kind of like the race has started there and you know you get on the bike you roll up to the um, the barrier where it's machine and rider only. And I would say the race has started there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's silent. It's just me and the bike and we're, we're rolling forward. And yeah, that's, it's already, it's already on at that point. And you, you're watching the lads go away and it's surprising if there's six bikes in front of you, you watch them go and it's like, it's gone instantly. You know, you don't think it's one minute that, you know, but mm. um, as to the question with the, um, with the guy tapping you on the shoulder, I can't actually remember ever feeling the tap on the shoulder because practice, if you start from the, you know, on the road, I'm watching for the the green light or, you know, coming on. As soon as that comes on, I'm going, you know, and it's the same with the the guy with the, the flag when it's, when it's your turn to go. As soon as that flag moves, I've gone, you know, but prior to that, I would say where the, the arches, you've got your, your man in front of you, you roll up to like the, the the small white line. They count. Yes. As soon as they leave, I'm like, right, ten, nine, eight. And I usually get to the the arch for when it's my turn to go at about five, maybe even four seconds. I just roll up really slow. And you you can kind of see like the you know, the fellow who, who holds you on the shoulder, he, a little bit of a panic in his in his eye, like, Are you are you bothering or what? You know <laughs> <laughs> But by that time, it's like the the apprehension, isn't it? If you sit there for bang on 10 seconds it's like you, you're gonna be feathering your clutch you're gonna be you could jump the start or do something stupid so it's just like all really calm up until that point and yeah i'm not known for for being early for anything anyway so um <laughs> how many times do you check it's in gear uh you well yeah only generally only once because once i got to that that first line the 10 second line knocking in gear i keep it in gear then until it's good to go you know so i suppose everyone's got their own way of doing it but yeah, it's just, just uh, yeah. Then once your clutch drops, it's uh, it's you're away, aren't you? You know, you, you've started. And do, does the mindset change? Because, like I say, we've we've had a lot of people coming in. That moment rolling up to the moment the clutch gets dropped, they're for want of a better phrase, shitting it. They are like the apps that the last place they want to be is right there. Yeah. But then as soon as that clutch goes, the only place they want to be is is right yeah. there. By the time I've walked up from, you know, you you. Uh, your truck or your caravan or whatever. I would say by that point, 
I'm not too nervous to be honest. You know, it's kind of like a, a bit of a a chilled area. As soon as you get get up there, like I say, maybe my race starts before everyone else's, but you there I'm not too bad. It's the hour before. You know, you've got to try and eat something, and you you know you get think right. I've got to get my lathers on soon. That is the most nervous bit for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like you everyone's doing their own thing. The lads are taking the pit trolleys up and all that kind of stuff. And it, there's a lot going on. But for me, I just like to try and, uh, yeah, be as chilled as I can and, you know, either listen to some music or whatever and, yeah, chill out as much as I can. Yeah, but, yeah, from that uh, from that moment when you walk out of the truck suited and booted and you're, you're going up the start line, I think, oh, why did I not just play football or something, you know? <laughs> just just to finish that off, you know, when, when the fella on the little gantry yep. picks that flag, what's the first thing you think of? To go, like at the... As if as you're releasing that clutch, what what are your first thoughts? What's the most in, what what's priority then? Uh, just trying to get a good start, um, and not missing for second gear. You don't want to hit the limit in front of everyone, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it falls neutral or something. But yeah, it, it's it's one of them. You know, you you try and get a good start, and with the the gearing you've got on, sometimes you've got to slip the clutch a bit more just to try and get that that start. And once it's out. I'm straight on the back brake. We well use a, a handbrake on the the big bike now, so it's like control the wheelie a bit. Then you there's a little rise on um, just as you go for second gear, you know a wheelie, and it's like all these thoughts are all like um, within split seconds. You know, you, right second gear, right there's a bush on the the right for top of St Ninians. You know, get over the crest, and there's like must be thousands of thoughts per lap. You know, but it's all mm. all just one after another. So yeah, yeah, just trying to cock your startup that's the answer to your question <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into because 2023 was a i mean you had a crash but you also you know broke the uh, the 130 mile an hour stick the knife in won't you what yeah I, just, just in case i forgot knife. i know yeah, but, right. but yeah. what i was going to yeah. say is it, i didn't want to i was going to say it was a great it was a good tt 2023 yeah. in your eyes but mm. it wasn't without issue but before we get to 2023 let's yeah. I want to go way back because yeah. there's a lot of people that that'll have seen you at the TT, know who you are at the TT, yeah. but we don't know where you started you from, where me. you came yeah. from. Yeah, that's why I walk around with a, my name on my t-shirt because no one knows who I am. <laughs> I thought it was because you're from Wigan, and, and sometimes these will you forget be for yourself. Sale. Just uh, twenty pounds if you can see it. Have oh, we got merch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Where do we where do we buy it from? Well, you can't yet because it's not made. Oh, but God, come on. Yeah, we'll uh, keep an eye on my social media. That's All right, the, that's the thing to do. Cool. Follow me. So from Wigan, from Wigan, yeah. How do we get into bikes? So. Uh, all my life we've been uh, I've been surrounded by bikes my dad's been racing for I think he started probably I would say 1980 maybe 79 something like that you know really a long time ago everything was black and white so yeah uh, yeah that's like eight years before I was born so when you I suppose when you're born into that you know you you're surrounded by conversation constantly about bikes you're seeing pictures of bikes you they're in your garage or or whatever you know so it's it's one of them it, they were always around because of my dad and he he's had a you know a pretty successful manx and tt you know career if you want to call it that you know it's, what are your first memories from a race meeting you ever thought about it first memories uh one of my first memories that sticks out was uh just being a kid mooching around the paddock and i don't know how old i would have been probably six seven something like that and years ago, you used to have like, now you've got the little credit card sized paddock passes. Mm. 
and you used to have like ones which were like a what size would it be like an a6 pass or something <laughs> they were massive and uh i didn't have one i needed one to get in the grandstand and my dad gave me his competitor one and i lost it so that was one of the <laughs> that was one of my first memories that it flew off you know under the grandstand or something right. i don't know whether i got it back or not but yeah mooching around the the paddock and just being a kid you know what we had um you know well, before that i suppose we had a my brother had a, a Wee 50 so that was good to to go around and we had uh our push bikes and that kind of thing so we've always been you know there'll be a few few dean harrison actually he was always the same sort of i suppose the same sort of route as us you know he, yeah. he was brought up in the paddock and uh flying around on push bikes and that so so when yeah. you say paddock rob you mean you mean the tt paddock you don't paddock, you, so yeah. your dad was always tt racer so, and and the stat we've got here is that um your dad jim third highest total tt starts ever yeah. 123 yeah That's so unbelievable that 30, yeah so 30, 30, i think i had a quick count up last night 32 events tt events yeah. he raced at 32 yeah 32 years almost That's as old it. as me <laughs> how does it how does his how does mother flipping put up with all the I've no money idea. he's blown on I don't flipping know. racing yeah yeah well, yeah if they calculated it yeah, yeah i'm sure she'd be due a trip to barbados or something like yourself yeah, yeah. you know like six yeah. months twice yeah. a year yeah um but yeah it's been uh a feral journey for you know for my daddy he didn't do the tt this year that was you know first one he's chose to to miss you know he's missed a couple through various different um reasons in in the past but not many but this one was the first one to he, he sat out by choice just so i think it was just because there was that much going on with myself uh, oh he's not done then uh no he's still got uh still got a bike a, a super twin which he'll be you know just doing a few club events and just for yeah. just because he enjoys it and stuff but uh yeah as for the tt i don't know whether he'll go back i think he's maybe done with that mm. but which like you say after so many starts and so many events you you, you can't go on forever, can you? No, that's amazing. Man. I don't think I'll get to uh, bad amounts anyway. <laughs> so you I don't were... like riding in the rain. No, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so you were exposed to the TT right from the from the word go. Then it wasn't yeah. like he started club racing. Then he thought I'll go to the TT, and then you followed him there. And... No. So yeah, just yeah, and yeah. One of my first, like I said, first memories would be going across over to the the Isle of Man with um, with my mum just as a, I don't know, I was probably three years old, something like that. It took a, a push bike in a, a suitcase for me. And, you know, so I've been, yeah, brought up around there. And when you, that's all you do every year. We, you know, we didn't really have family holidays that just went the TT. And, and I was fine with that. You know, if you, mm. what you've never had, you don't miss, do you? And, and that's, you look forward to going to the, the TT. So, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, given... If I could be a child again, I wouldn't change it at all. You know, it's just, it's all, all part of it. But, yeah, moving on to, like, you you know, when you start racing, though, it just, the whole thing changes again. It's a, a complete, completely different job. But, um, yeah. From, from, you know, from where you're from, Lancashire, um, Wigan, um, you know, there's a massive, massive amount of talent that comes from that part of the mm. country, and not just TT. Obviously, you know Fogarty. Yeah. You know, um, McGuinness. Obviously, not not too far down the road. Uh, Neil Hodgson mm -hmm. wasn't a road racer. You know, and, and many other names yeah. as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, back from the earlier days, like your Mick Lothouses to flipping mm. Darren. Barnes. Oh yeah, there's some, some massive, really, really quick lads. Some massive names, but the reason for asking <clears throat> that, what was so? What was your target? From a youngster was it always to race the tt or did you want to be a world champion or what what was your focus uh b 
believe it or not, I never really had one. Um, I because my dad was always racing. You know, you know how much it costs. So he was still racing really competitively and doing well at the TT and stuff like that. So as I was growing up, I mean, you get to ideally when you're 10 years old or even younger than that, you could do with starting racing if you're going to, you know, especially this day and age, if you're going to do anything. Mm. Um, but it weren't quite like that. And I'm sure you've had a, a few people on. It's all the same story, like the, the money side of things. But I had to kind of wait until I'd finished school and got a bike and a job to to start, which was when I was 17. Um, I did have help buying the, the bike, you know, through family circumstances and things like that. And... Um, yeah, so then, you know, starting when you're 17, it's kind of, you're a little bit late, aren't you? You know, you've got to kind of progress quite quick. Yeah. So with that, I got got a job. My uncle got me a job, actually, and it weren't great. It was working on a tip, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, I don't care. As long as I can get enough money to get this bike right and I can go and race, I'll do what, you know. It, what I'll, needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, I'll wade through, you know, shit in a skiff and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it don't matter. And, I was earning enough money to do it just. You know, it was an Aprilia 125 I got. And, yeah, doing club racing, it was all right. You know, it, we was racing, I was enjoying it, I was loving it. And we the we had it on video somewhere, actually. The um, We had to do your, your CTC course, you know, your, your license. We did it at Darlymoor. We had the classroom bit and then the, uh, the optional on track bit afterwards so we did that and it weren't a great day it's like February <laughs> but the, the week God. after we'd booked to go, um, go go to Elvington you know the the movable track with cones and stuff and I never raced it I've been yeah, test, testing this it was actually a, a really good track for, for the smaller bikes and it, it, it yeah it had some character to it and yeah we had a video somewhere and it you know I didn't care. I just wanted to ride this bike that I'd spent all winter polishing and making look right and stuff. And yeah, the on this video, I come around the uh, there's a, a left going onto the right for the start finish, and there's hailstone and snow coming down, and it's coming across. <laughs> but I didn't care. I was riding my bike. I had yeah. my dad leathers on. They were massive, Brilliant. and uh, yeah, so that was a good. It was good to give me a bit of practice before my first race meeting, which was a few weeks later. But uh, yeah, I could any conditions I would have rode that bike. I didn't care. I just wanted to to ride it. So that's when the uh, the bug kind of bit. First uh, race then. First race. Where was, was it? It was Croft. Oh right. With the yeah, Northeast yeah. Club. Uh, I'm not sure why. It must have just been how it fell. Um, and through doing the the Elvington, it, it kind of like gave me a a good insight as to what riding a bike was. You know, it, I was nowhere near like uh, fast, but I was getting round and. And what have you. So we, yeah, two-dayer at Croft, and it was... Um, what, what year was this? 2005. 05. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend, and you you know, you know kind of you progress, and at that time, the Aprilia 125 was like, I suppose, the, what are they, the junior super sport yeah. at that yeah. time. Yeah. There's a, a lot of lads had them, and uh, even club racing, there was like a full grid of them. So it was perfect for, for like myself to to pitch myself against like the the other newcomers and stuff like that and i remember on the i think it was the saturday the last race the last uh, really tight up and you know what croft coming on the start finish i got my knee down it just scraped <laughs> i thought that's like amazing that's you know it. that's all i wanted to do that <laughs> so yeah from from that we had quite a good year actually the the first year just through i did enough riding to kind of get my knee down on both sides and uh <laughs> 
I actually won a race. In fact, my first race, I think I was fourth. And by the end of that first weekend, I'd had a third. So I was buzzing with that. Like, you know, things had gone from feeling all right to feeling mega. You know, it's like... uh, Do you remember your first crash? My first crash uh, would have been... I think that might have been at Darlymore, yeah. And I I was getting carried away. You know, the only way to... (laughs) When you, I'd say learning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we was in with the the Aprilias were in with the one two five GP bikes. So like obviously qualifying, you was like towards the back of the grid, but it was a, a all a mass start. And um, I don't know if you you'll have ridden there when you yeah. a few times. And the I got a really good start, and because that was always brilliant off the line. And I must have been right up front with the the GP bikes and went up from. Uh, up through the top S's and got passed by a few lads and I don't I just don't think I shut off for the left hander <laughs> or something and and it's fast around there whatever you're on isn't it yeah, you know I, I, I threw it in and it was the first lap my tires must have been a bit cold and it came right round of me and flicked me off and just proper sparked me out head I can't remember why but so so even from an early stage in your career you had your you had your excuses sorted out oh it was yeah yeah the uh, yeah I, I slipped on a sick packet or something like that yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that race for for whatever reason, my dad said, "Oh, were that uh, it, was, it was sponsored by KBC at that time helmets," and he said, "Oh, were that if you want," and I did. I smashed it up. So Ooh. it was just on the left side though. So when I got back to the truck, I turned it so you could see the right side. Didn't they? <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> he knew. He knew. <laughs> Steve, question for you then: Can you remember your first crash? Yep. Where was it? Uh, Charlie's exit, Cabo Park. Up at the top, yeah, yeah, you go off start line yeah, yeah. On, on the on the full circuit, uh, fast left coppice, and then you yeah. got it's a double corner really. So coming out, Charlie two's coming out. Lost the front coming out, yeah. Oof. And all my mates have been watching up there. It's mm-hmm. early, really early for, in the first year racing, and you're just going faster and faster and faster. You know, like, like you said, yeah. and, you know, and it's a, a steep learning process. And all my mates come back and say, "God, I'm not surprised you crashed. You're flipping lean angles, mental." Well, why didn't you come and tell me before then? <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah. yeah. Never forget your first one, do you? <laughs> out. So at that point then, like like Steve attained to then, any any sights on moving across to the TT, like using this 125 as a stepping stone to get across to the TT, or you, now not, you're getting a bit of success, are you thinking, well, Not stick to really, the because like I said, just going back to the, the very start, you know, my uh, journey of starting mm. was delayed because we couldn't afford to you know we didn't just have a my dad didn't have a load of money to chuck at me and say go racing wherever you want i was just going to say you know obviously the tt then for your, for your dad was obviously a massive budget yeah uh, during the year it must have been really difficult for him to help mm. you out yeah which is that, side financially. Yeah, yeah which it, it was a good help because um you know he already had a race truck he had an awning some tools and things so yeah, that's like a massive yeah. thing to you know to start off with but, uh, you know, when you've got to pay whatever it is, you know, 150 quid for an entry or if you need something for your bike, he can't do that for, for himself and, and us too. My brother was racing at the same time as well. So we had to kind of look out for ourselves financially that way. So I was going from kind of meeting to meeting. I didn't, mm. I couldn't say, right, this time next year we're going to be BSB125, you know, because I knew that was, it weren't reachable. So yeah. it's kind of like, um, I don't know. My, I would say my racing days have all been like stepping stones, but somehow I've ended up on the next stone. You know, it's not been like... Uh, Without I've, trying I've not, to get there. Yeah, yeah. I, I've not bought the next stone. 
you know, yeah. that if that makes sense. Um, so when when I very first started racing, my first few meetings, all I wanted to do was I've always had like small ambitions, I suppose, for for things. I just wanted to win a race. It didn't matter where it was. I wanted a, a race win. You know, maybe a trophy. I don't know what it was. And you do that, and you think, oh, I've done that now. That weren't weren't as good as I thought it was going to uh, be. Yeah. You know, like what's next? All right, yeah. So then you want to win a championship, and I did that. Uh, a club championship in me second year of racing on the same Aprilia so then you do that and then it's like um, we we kind of I've gone as far as I can go with that bike so we need a, we need another one uh, which we got a 125 Honda uh, my brother had got one uh, the year before so we a, a GP bike yeah, yeah. yeah Honda so um, he'd kind of I got one uh, Honda 125 we kind of copied what, what he'd done because he'd had like loads of trouble with it and they're just a nightmare aren't they you know that they, they are <laughs> if I could change one thing through racing I would probably have done about four or five meetings on that bike sold it and got 600 spent three yeah. years learning how to ride a big bike but we once you're in with both feet you, you're in it you're and you, yeah and to be fair we got uh you know, they're, they're an expensive bike and my, my granddad helped a, a lot where he could get in us engine bits and things like that. And yeah, we, we had good success between us. Um, we'd won club championships and things and we'd done the odd BSB like at Alton Park and I scored a couple of points in, I think, oh nine, possibly something like that. So was doing as good as we could with, you know, what we had and the, you know, it was, we did enjoy bits, but when you start, you know, I was still in the same job, you know, sifting through skips. So, <laughs> all right, the money might have gone up a little bit, but not massively. And when you when you go out and a 125 seizes up, straight away you're not doing that on 150 quid a week, are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, it became a struggle. Like when uh, Honda stopped producing the, uh, the flat top pistons, so you could run one of them to like, I think it was like 300 miles or something like that. But the, the aftermarket type, you was getting like 150 miles and, rings were snapping and really? you know you're doing it, it weren't much at all so like when you're constantly getting barrels replated and you're you're buying a piston kit you're like a thousand quid in and you it might happen again so like my head went down with it we did did 07 08 09 and then we got to the end of that year had more trouble and don't get me wrong we had you know we won club championships like saying had good uh good times at the um with the BSB with it, and actually in 09, do you remember when they did the, they called it like the two-stroke TT, they did it on the uh, Bilone course. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Um, I went and did that. Uh, it, it weren't very successful for me, but we went and ah, did I, it. I read you'd done the TT in 09, and that's what... That's probably what that was. It, yeah, yeah, they had, yeah. uh, it was kind of like, um, I'm not sure what it was, to be honest, but they used to have the the post TT races down at uh, Castletown, didn't they? That's you know, right. The Southern 100 circuit, which which we've been and done recently. Um, and yeah, 09, we, uh, my brother Jamie had, he'd crashed, I think at Aintree or something like that and dislocated his shoulder. So that was like the week before uh, this this job. So I was on my own doing it, you know, the, this thing. And we, we went over, had to watch the TT, did loads of laps around the uh, Bilhelm course and, it was like, I thought, right, I know where it goes. I know I'm, I can do all right here. You know, my bike was okay and stuff like that. And Chris Palmer took us around. He, he passed on some good advice. I'm not sure if it went in one ear and out the other because I was a <laughs> bit too young for it or what. But 
I, um... He didn't give that advice in the bar, did he? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually in a car. So, yeah, I can't blame him for that one. But, yeah, it, one thing he said was it, they've resurfaced it now. But as you go into the, the last corner, I think Castletown corner, that one, he said, break as late as you can because someone's always going to have a do up the inside there. But just watch out because it, it was really ripply going. He said, you will lose the front. I lost the front. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Chris, I've done everything you said don't do. But um, And then the, the second race we had, um, I think it's a one-way valve problem and the, the bike just wouldn't run right. So it, it was a definitely a learning curve, uh, a steep one, and it just shown that, you know, it is what I would like to do, but at that time it, it just didn't work out for me. You know, it, it weren't a great uh, experience that. So we... We got to the end of that year, carried on with the club racing and stuff like that, and then it was like uh, I'd sort of lost a bit of heart in whether it was just racing or that bike, and I thought if we sell this bike, what can I get? You know, what's the the next step? So I, you know, I said to my dad, I think I'm done with it. You know, with racing in in general. So oh. he said, right, okay, that's cool. is what it is. You know, so that was the end of '09. Anyway, that. I thought I'll get um, strip a few bits off the bike because we put you know the data logger and a few fancy bits on and stuff like that and thought we'll probably get a few quid here you know for whatever we want to do next anyway that that retirement lasted two weeks I think <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we got um, a friend of ours John Hilton he he said you know my dad rang me he said John's John's been on he and John used to ride a, a good friend of ours a ZXR four hundred and the the head gasket had gone on it and just been parked in his garage he said. Put it back together. You can you can use his bike. You know he'll chuck a few quid into yeah, keeping it nice. going. If you're selling your bike, you've got a few quid there. I thought it sounds all right. You know, mm. so yeah, the the leathers didn't even have time to get dust on them, <laughs> and we're, <laughs> we're we're back out in 2010. So yeah, that was another uh, another bit of a situation because we we just had loads of problems. I'm not sure what it was. We were doing bottom ends on this 400. So once you you know we got the built bike built up and we're uh we're kind of we're enjoying it enjoying riding but then it's on three cylinders and we're having all sorts of problems with it anyway seven engines later we're wow. we've got the bike sorted i have no money left we, we spent what john said he was, he'd put in and we're, we're back to square one so yeah but we, again for 2010 we had a nightmare with it it took a lot of sorting out and we rolled it in 2011 which we won a club championship on it, which was all right. You know, we got it. Yeah. I really enjoyed riding that bike in the end. It handled mint and it weren't the fastest. It was like 70, I don't know, 74 horsepower mm. or something like that. But it was equal to what I was racing against at the time and could ride it quite hard. So, yeah, after uh, after that, we kind of, um, yeah, done our bit with that. And it was unfortunate, like, for the, I think it was end of 2010, possibly 11... Uh, my granddad passed away so with that you know i'd had a, a chat with mum and dad and what have you and they, they agreed with you know with him passing away and stuff like that he'd, he'd left a a bit of money for us so they'll give us that you know me and my brother jamie it's, it's up to you what you what you spend it on so i went and got um, another friend of ours danny smith he, he had a, a good r6 so right i'll i'll have that so we we got that bike um, and it was a, a really good bike. It used to be one of uh, Dan Neen's. So it had yeah. the, you know, super sport engine and Maxton, uh, Maxton suspension and things like that. So it was, uh, yeah, that was kind of the 
the the next step of progressing you know after being at a real low with the 125 and then kind of doing a bit on the 400 just to keep our uh keep me hand into racing and stuff like that this was like the next kind of serious step so it was um it was good good bike and um again we we won a, a club championship on it i had some really good good times with it and stuff like that and then we was getting towards when was that that was 11 so 12 we're still riding the same bike but it's the same old thing you you know you get a bike like that and then it comes to the time where you think, right, the engine's getting a bit tired now. It comes to refreshing it, and you suddenly mm. it's like, right, okay, well, how do we do this now? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly cheap, is it? So, yeah, we we kind of um, two thousand and twelve. We we started the season. And I can't remember whether I had a crash at Alton Park. I, I think I qualified quite bad. It was only a club meeting qualified quite bad put these bridgestone wets and i thought i remember bridgestone wets being mega you know on the 125s like the best you can get so set off like a scalded cat in the race <laughs> got to is it fullston chicane the first one uh, after shell oils yeah and i'd gone from like his issue okay? is that the one so we yeah i'd set off from like right near the back and i was up to like fifth by the you know i'd really got me <laughs> got my finger out anyway i went in lost the front and trashed the bike so that was uh yeah more expense again but somehow you stuff like that you, you can make a mess of things and somehow you come out and you you can find ways of fixing it can't you dig you deep know? you dig deep and yeah. find ways to get over it all the way through this time uh that that era should i say you know of coming through and and obviously blowing all your own dough and and close family and yep. close friends money on this and that and coming through um your brother was too was he a little bit older than you. A yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was five years older. Than five. Me. Yeah, he was obviously racing as well. Yeah. So were you sharing bikes? Was he doing the same thing? Having the same aggro? Was he better than you? Was was you chasing him? His level? You know, I, 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 don't, I, think, I, don't, I didn't know you, brother. Yeah. So he started racing in two thousand and four, a year before me. Yeah. You know, he, he was like older, so it was the same situation. You know, couldn't really start racing until he bought his own bike and you know that kind of thing. So. Yeah, to to start with, up until I would say, I started in 05 and he was like he was winning club racing. I'm like, I don't know how he's going that fast. You know, like when you, you know when you see someone going really quick and, and you did think, that get on you? Did it get on your nerves? A little was... bit, but I was trying to think, how can I do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. you see someone who's that much faster. So that was like um, he was kind of a benchmark, which I kind of caught up to in at the end of the first year. So he'd moved on to the 125 GP bike, which he did a one meeting where he rode both, which didn't really work, you know, swapping to and from. So I think the it would have been the Stars at Darley meeting. He rode both uh, both bikes. And in the Aprilia class, uh, I think he raced it then. And I beat him. That was the first time. I thought, right, we're, we're really on it now, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but then the when we both had the 125 Ondas, it was... It was pretty similar to be honest we had some really good close races uh he was a pro probably a better small bike rider than me right, you know yeah. once we've yeah. moved on like a, a lot later when he had the the r6 and and i had mine whether it's just our work you know physically built or what or just our riding styles you know he, he struggled a bit more than me and considered getting um maybe a super stock bike and which i don't think would have been the right thing no. for him at the you know at the time it's just 
yeah, when you want a different bike, you're not sure what direction to take. And it's, uh, yeah, he, he just stuck with the 600. But uh, yeah, there was definitely some uh, some close close racing going on. But we did, we was always working out the same, you know, my mum and dad's garage at home. So we'd talk about stuff, but, uh, you know, he was always kind of, if we'd had a close race or, or I'd won or whatever, we'd come back and he was more likely to pat me on the back than I was him. Oh, really? Yeah. So he it's just... He was a bit more chill with it. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, so, dear. yeah, maybe I was a bit more... Uh, I don't, Not competitive, just... Yeah, that, that's just how I've seen it. So, But no, we had we had good times and unfortunately it... Uh, yeah, it, it ended in 2017. But yeah, we've had... Um, we've definitely had bad days in racing and we've had brilliant days you know so it's it's yeah no i wouldn't change any of it really talk about highs and lows i can't i can't get my head around how you managed it all as a family yeah you mm. know with that dad dad obviously being flat out racing which is a it's hard enough doing it on yeah. your own without having two boys at the time back yeah. in the early days it was like mental yeah yeah there's a lot of uh a lot going on and yeah like i say i don't know how my mum caught with it because it, when there's just my dad doing it you know by the the house is full of bikes, whether it's on telly, conversation, <laughs> phone calls or whatever. And then three of us are doing it in the same house. Oh, it's like, God. yeah, I'm surprised she's, uh, yeah, didn't lose the plot. But So when did you first go to the Manx? Obviously, you, you won a Manx in 15. That's yeah. right, well, a yeah. twin race, yeah. When, when was your first Manx? Uh, the first Manx. So just going back to uh, the R6 days, I was kind of, you know, we, we'd done a bit to the, the bike and was struggling financially and stuff like that once mm. we got to that point with it. But, we, I kept hold of that bike. So 2000 and, um, no, sorry, I got that wrong. That was a year later. So 2012, I've moved on to the R6. Um, and there was a, a guy who helped us, Chris Neal, that died pro racing in Runcorn. He was helping us a lot with the ZXR400 a couple of years previous, but, you know, building engines and stuff yeah. like that after all this trouble we'd had. Anyway, one day I called, called up to see him <clears throat> for whatever reason. And, um, he said, "Hey, there's something that might be of interest to you here." Goes into his uh, into his workshop, and there was um, a TIGCraft chassis six fifty there, and it was like a, I thought, "Yeah, it's all just ideas." This, you know, it yeah. was half built, but I could see the the potential of it. You know, it had a a TIGCraft chassis, uh, R six swing arm, Triumph six seven five wheels, um, and forks, and the rest was all custom built with a an ER six fifty engine perfect super twin really he said uh, the guy who owns it carl martin he's got someone on it for the super twin race but he wants so a newcomer for the manx this year um i thought right okay and i hadn't really you know like i said not got ambitions of doing the the tt or, or manx or anything so it wasn't on the radar not really no time, yeah. just for the because of the opportunity mm. so this popped up and then it, it all went quiet and i, I thought if someone else is riding in the Super Twin, ideally I could do with doing the full lot myself. So we'll see how it goes anyway. So the year was getting on. Uh, we've been the TT with uh, just watching my dad and stuff like that. And then after that, with only, there must have been possibly a week, maybe two before the entries closed for the Manx, Chris rang me and said, I've got some good news for you. Uh, the guy who was doing the Super Twin uh, race on this bike has pulled out. So if you want it, the bike's yours. I was like, oof. I weren't expecting that, and I'm not sure I wanted it. You know, <laughs> you, you wait for that opportunity, and then it comes, and you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that now. <laughs> so I said, right, okay, let me have a think. I'll give you a, a bell back. So spoke with my dad, and 
and weighed a few things up and I thought, right, should we just do it? So I said, right, we'll do it. I'll get the entry in. So we did. Uh, sorry, and you, your dad, he was keen on you going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sort of, he weighed it all up and at first with this other guy who was meant to be doing the super twin race, he weren't that keen because he thought, if we're sharing a bike, how's practice going to work? It's never yeah. going to work mm. out, is it? You know, so we... Um, so, yeah right okay we'll do it so i'd never met this uh carl martin before i just knew he was building this bike and i could have it so he said the bike's going the year's getting on now and it was like i'd missed all the um where you could go across for like the coach trip and yeah you know like the newcomers introduction so i had to get around that and so we flew over uh oh my brother jamie he was he said well if you're doing it i'm gonna do it i thought <laughs> right okay so he was doing it on his own r6 which was yep. the, the perfect thing. Um, so we, we went across with my dad, got a, a higher car, and um, and we went doing a few laps. And I'm the, like, I, you'll know what I mean. Like, you know, if someone shows you how to do something, yeah. they can show you how to build a, a wall or something. I said, right, yeah, yeah I know how to do that now. Mm -hmm. I said, there's, a, there's your trowel and a, and a brick. You go and do it. Unless you're physically doing it, I, I struggle taking information in. Yeah. Uh, with certain things so i was watching on boards and, and stuff like that and i, I kind of knew where things went and my dad's showing us a few pointers and just a bit of safety really not how to go fast just as a newcomer just be wary of this you know be on this line and like, yeah yeah so we went did that twice i think we did two uh two saturdays over there just to have a look so that was that where our preparation was done. We're still watching loads of onboards and stuff like that. And some's going in, some's not. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, some people can just like watch an onboard and, you know, just go really fast straight away. Can't they? Well, you know, I think, I think in the modern world now, obviously after my time, yeah, because I'm getting on a bit. Of <laughs> um, but everything's, you know, gaming and, and, oh, yeah. and so on. So, yeah. but for me, onboards didn't really make that much no. sense. I had to go and, lap after lap yeah. after lap in, in a high car yeah. not, not never on a bike um because it's too dangerous to take anything in it that's opinion. it yeah but anyway yeah i i couldn't do whereas some other people like people like um let's say uh, david todd yeah who's really good on 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 the tt playstation game yeah. and stuff do you know what i mean that they can just look at on boards and bang 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 yeah in the head, well that's you know? it yeah i've not really got the concentration for a computer game or <laughs> or an on board to be honest but the um yeah you can lie in bed with the, with the iPad, you know, watching on board. You think, yeah, I don't know where that goes. But the second you you sat on a bike, you've got the vibration. You set off, you've got the bumps in the road. All that goes out the window, and you're like, <laughs> got to try and control this bike, haven't you? So yeah, yeah we've done the the preparation. I, I kind of knew where the the track was going. Struggle with the the mountain, just because there's no real reference, is there? When you're up on on there's certain bits, certain corners, but like when it's wide open, just I don't know. I, I struggled with that, you know, before I'd done it. I was the opposite. Was you? I took the mountain straight away. What the the bottom bit was a more of a struggle. But it was more kind of ginger hold Ramsey and and prob yeah yeah places like that where yeah. where everything was happening so quick mm. and yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you've not got time to breathe have because you, really? you can't see through the corners probably. Mm. Mm. That's it. And you was all right on a short circuit as well, weren't you? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You could say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we did that, and then the the bike was actually. In 2012, Ivan Linton was riding it at the Ulster, which was only a week before I was going the Manx with it. So he said, listen, it is going to be, I've already agreed to this. He said, the the bike's going the Ulster. Um, we'll get it back, get the engine out, 
Chris will refresh it. It's good for you for, for the Manx. So spot on. Perfect. Unfortunately, in the last race, Ivan crashed it or mm. got knocked off or something. Uh, that was the Saturday. So me and my dad had to go to, we'd arranged to go to um, Birkenhead uh, docks to pick the bike up. So we got there and Carl had already rang me. He said, listen, the bike's in a bit of a state here. I don't know what you want to do. I'm, well, we've no choice, have we? We, we go in a week, you know, less than a week now. We, you know, unless we have a look at it, see what we can do, you know, we're, we're not going, are we? So we went, it was like five o'clock in the morning. Uh, the boat came in, which was a struggle for me anyway. So, <laughs> but th if this doesn't show you my commitment, then I don't know what does. So we got um, got there. He, it was buried in the van. He got got it out. Everyone's faces were down, and said, "Right, it's, it's not ideal." You know, when you see it, a crashed bike in a van, and the exhausts up, and the seats yeah. across, and yeah, yeah, you think, right straight away. That's a lot of work. But <laughs> so we 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 took it took it back to uh, me and my dad's house and stripped it down straight away. Got on with repairing the furring, engine out to, to Chris, all these other bits. And I spoke to um, Carl Martin, who owned the bike, and I said, listen, it's not great, this. We, I've got a list of parts I need here. He said, listen, if you think you can fix this bike to get over to the Manx, do it. He said, get a pen and paper now. So I did. He said, this is my um, bank card, uh, credit card number. Write this down. Anything you need, just order it. And I thought, I've never met this fellow before. You know, for it. 10 minutes at, yeah, at yeah. Birkenhead Docks, I could be anyone. So I thought that shows a lot of his character and commitment to yeah, me going to, over, yeah. you know, with his bike, and which was great of him. I thought, if he's willing to do that, then we, we put a bit of work into the bike. And, yeah, we, we ended up getting it sorted. It, the crash damage was fixed. Uh, I was there with a, a spray can on my driveway do, <laughs> doing all that. And... Um, yeah, so we got it sorted, but it didn't run. We got the engine back. There was something amiss. So we got to the the Isle of Man for my first Manx, and the bike didn't run, <laughs> which is not ideal, is it? Really, you know. You don't know. Rocking up to a if you want to relax like before your your first ever go down Braille, then it's not not the way. So I'm not sure what the issue was. The guy who was working for uh, Chris at Dynapro, he he took the bike away and it came back running. So whatever he did, I did I weren't asked. It it was running. And I'd, by that time, I'd missed the Saturday newcomers lap. Yeah. You know, where you follow yeah, yeah. the um, the the race around, and so yeah, after all that work, I'd, I'd missed that, so I had to do it on the Monday, which weren't great because there was only a couple of us uh, who'd missed it on the the Saturday. So we got I set off, and I'd never rode this bike before, so it's like strange seating position, and I didn't know. I'm trying to get used to the bike the circuit and mark castle actually took us around and he set off down braille i thought jesus christ he's going quick you know he's seen him go down and hit the bottom of braille i'm like i can't keep up with him here <laughs> so we got to quarter bridge i put the brake on and i dabbed it and it came back and back further and further like, what's going on here at all so i got to quarter bridge with the the lever fully into the the handlebar went left it, obviously i know it goes right but yeah. i couldn't make it stopped adjusted it back out and set off again. Got to um, Braddon Bridge. I thought, it's doing it again. Anyway, it turns out I did the full lap. Probably should have stopped on safety ground, yeah, really. But <laughs> really? Uh, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, sack it, we'll, we'll get round, I'll be all right. And there was a little grub screw underneath which had somehow unwound itself for, for the adjuster. Yeah. You know, so it was a, a simple fix, but one that could have uh, 
yeah cost me dearly so it took me to Ramsey to catch the the pack back up so I was like I was in a race and I didn't even know it (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that was that out the way and then we was into to practice it wasn't a great year that year because we got with the the weather they they actually did run when it was sketchy conditions then you know but back in them days it was uh so we got a couple of laps in practice and yeah just I, I called the year after my first proper year you know yeah. just because of how it how it ended up and uh, i mean i finished fourth in the newcomers race uh newcomers b which was, was happy enough it would have been nice to get on the podium but i thought with what's gone on before and while we was there and everything i'll take that you know it was the by the time the newcomers race uh, the super twin race came around i was i think i was lying in about seventh something like that and the rod snapped mm. the engine so that was us out of that and that was the the story of my first manx so yeah, definitely a character-building experience for my first go. Okay, we're going to take a pause in the podcast right here. There's still plenty to discuss next time. In fact, here's a teaser right now. I didn't really understand at that point. It was my first uh, big bike that I'd ever rode, so I didn't understand what it took to make a big bike work around there or, or how to ride it. I was probably still riding it like a 600, and it had me out the seat, and you know, people, a couple of people came around and made comments about how out of shape I was in a few places. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sat on it or or not as the case was. You don't have to tell me. (laughs) Now, if you want to catch the rest of this episode, it's available to watch right now over on TT plus or alternatively hit the subscribe button on this podcast feed to get a notification when the audio drops next week. IOMTTRacers.com is the place to check out all the latest TT news, plus information on how to subscribe to TT+. See you later, Steve. See you then, mate.